0: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min podcast network. Uh, I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And you can watch us too twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, and join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. Um I don't know if you can tell in my intro. Uh, my energy levels are not that high because I've just seen man United get battered by Man City in the Manchester derby. Uh, Rob you with yeah you've seen it too i don't don't know if
1: you were there. Uh, guessing you watched it on TV but oh what a what an awful day. An awful day, but all we saw is exactly what we know. So no surprises. I think this is the the funny thing of coming off the back of the result and gauging social media and looking at the fan base, is that there's always a tiny bit of hope, isn't it, when you go into a game? And I certainly went into this match not feeling particularly worried. But there's always an underlying fear that what Manchester United are is what you will see. And that's exactly what happened. Manchester City came up and did what Man City do. And Man United turned up and did what Man United do and have done for a while. So I don't know why there is so much maybe... For raw of the back of the result because we know that Ralph's an interim we know that this is all kind of treading water and I think there's a lot of players in that squad who feel that that they think to themselves well yeah I turn up for work yeah I'll try today but you know if we don't try it's exactly like Bozza said doesn't it the other week on our show Mark Bosnich where he said players down tools Fergie's players did it and we're seeing it a little bit here with Manchester United uh, I think it's a long way back for United but the next appointment of the next manager is really, really important, obviously. And whoever they get is going to have to fix a really big mess.
0: And that manager cannot do it on their own. They will need support and help, I would think, and to be listened to. Uh, Ralph Raniot's moving into a consultancy role, we, we think. <laughs> uh, whether whether the results on the pitch will change that in the next few months, we'll see. But, I mean, you, you, you're seeing a lot of uh, dissatisfaction, come out of the the players camp with the fact that they have an interim manager there oh you know he's not going to be here so what's the point of us working for him At the end of the day i think rani has got got the ear of somebody like john murta <laughs> and if you want to united need to change they absolutely need to change we're going to talk about that today we'll talk a little bit about how in the world united fix this uh we'll talk about eric ten hagg um we'll talk a little bit about arsenal um And the potential lessons, that's pretty dangerous territory, to be honest. But there's some (laughs) things that Arsenal have implemented over the last few years that United need to really take a look at uh, because they're in a similar position. Uh, And we'll talk about a bunch of different things. But I mean, reflecting on one of the lowest lows of the season, probably I put it third in the list after Liverpool 5-0 at home and the Watford defeat and the subsequent sacking of Oli uh you know but you you mentioned you were worried before or uh, you wasn't worried before before the game i wasn't worried because i'm kind of numb <laughs> uh i don't know about you rob but uh just just before i bring you back in a reminder you can follow us on twitter too at underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promised land mu uh yeah rob it was what so what was it was what do we blame the players here because it does seem like the fallout is massively Coming down on them, you've seen Gary Neville and Roy Keane essentially say they're not trying, didn't look like they were trying, to be honest, towards the end. But Or is that what Man City do to you? Do they demoralise you that much that you stop running?
1: Yes and no. Like There is a bare minimum of what you expect in every football match. So the bare minimum, of course, is try to win. But when that opportunity to win has gone... You just need to grind through the gears and look after the result, don't you? You know, you just make sure that goal difference doesn't get completely hammered. 4 1 is a bad result any day of the week. But I think what we did see is how Manchester City can swamp you technically and tactically, and you can just regress into nothing. And that's what happened. Last 15 minutes of the game, Manchester United had 8% possession. Eight. So Manchester City had 92%. And I don't think that that is just about effort because I don't think United players stopped running around. It's just they stopped being effective. And I think that this is something that we've seen going back into the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tenure. And I think this is also why Ole got sacked because it felt like he'd come to the end of this run with these set of players. Now, these are still his players. This is still his squad. This is still his sign-ins. And this transition to the new manager has been slowed down by Manchester United, by the football club. So who do you blame? Well, on the football pitch, you want the players to do more to look after that result or to try and do better. I think they are so far behind Manchester City in terms of personnel that that was why we saw what we saw, is that Man United's players, no matter how hard they try, they were probably going to lose that game. And that's why I went into it kind of a bit free and easy about it, because I thought if you get anything at the Etihad... You've done all right. You know, even if you get a nil nil draw, it would have been better than getting hammered. But I really do think the gulf between these two clubs on the football pitch is really evident. And we've seen it week after week after week for years now. It's not a brand new thing. So I don't blame Ralph at all. Like, I think if you come in as an interim, there's only so much you can do. I think his tactics have been strong. I think United have been tactically better. I think the performances overall have been better since Solskjaer left. But I do think that. What Fred said earlier on when before the Champions League where he said, when you have an interim manager come in, I'm not quite sure why United have done that and it doesn't help us. I think that's reality. I think that's fact. Scott McTominay said after the game, you know, we need to do better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you can see that these players are hurting. They don't really know. Whether the next manager will want them, whether they'll still be living in Manchester in six months' time, will be on a transfer list, will they be on a plane to West Ham or another football club somewhere? They just don't know. And that uncertainty is created by the Manchester United board.
0: Yeah, uh, I tweeted uh, during the game the (laughs) other day uh, what Richard Arnold is seeing in front of him is 10 years of brilliant club management versus 10 years of shambolic decision-making having spent the same money in the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, there's a massive job on his hands now. Uh, you know, are there. Hopefully will play a part in how this club is modelled moving forward, but the manager will be a big choice. Uh, I believe that's going to fall on John Murtagh and Richard Arnold's lap to install that person. Uh, but yeah, it's a long way back. You look at Man City, they have two players of world-class quality essentially in every single position uh, and United you know, just don't at, at the moment you know there's players in there who probably aren't up to standard technically um, as I've mentioned on the various different platforms over the last few weeks United have managed uh, players signed by Sir Alex Ferguson David Moyes Jose Mourinho Louis yeah. Van Gaal Oli in the team or in, in the you know in the squad and uh, Identity is difficult, uh, you know. And I, one one quote that stuck out to me actually is Ollie said early on in his tenure, he wanted to make United the fittest team in the league. Uh, they're not that. <laughs> let's let's just say they're not that. But um, let, let's let's get to it. How in the world do you fix this, Rob? What needs to happen now?
1: It's with Manchester United's cultural issue, because Manchester United, as a football club, tell us all and tell the world that they want to be Manchester United. We want to be this football club that we have built up over many years from the Busby era to the Fergie era to the current day, that that is the MO of the football club. That's what the badge means. The truth is that's rubbish. Just not, it doesn't exist. It's made up. It's not a real thing. It's a, it's, something you, it's a commodity that you bag and you get it and you sell it and you move it on and that's how the product works. It carries on like that in circles. So what do United need to do? I don't think for a second that the United boards don't want to win. Like I hear all the time that the Glazers don't want to win. They just want to take the money. Well, if Man United win, you make more money. So that's just how it goes. So I don't think the Glazers are sat there going, well, we get top four and we're all right here because they're missing a trick. They could be making two or three times the amount of cash that they are making rather than spending 1.2 billion on players on a complete waste of nothingness. You know, that's not good business, is it? You know, giving that money away, buying players that you then have to give big contracts to and then have to sell two years later because you haven't done it. Romelu Lukaku was not a good signing. Alexis Sanchez was not a good signing. You could literally go through all the way back to Robin Van Persie and say that player was not a good signing. Fred, 52 million. Maguire, 80 Wambasaka 50 million. You know, you, you could go on and on and on. There's loads of them. So whose fault is that? It's the boards. But I do think they want to get it right. And this is the whole thing about spinning the wheel, like saying this time, what are they going to do this time? Well, they've got a director of football, but does he have the power? They've got Darren Fletcher, who's a technical director. He sits on the bench and warms up the subs. None of this kind of makes sense still. (laughs) So how do you do it? Well, first of all, you have to get the right coach. I do think they've got a coach already of great acumen who could do the job, but you can see how his stock is just plummeting, both in the media and with fans. And I don't, I don't blame him. It's not really his fault. He's come into a bad scenario and done okay. But United are going to want a shiny toy of a manager, a name. They're going to want to put it out there and say, this is the reboot you wanted. Here we go. We're going to be the best club in the world again because we already are the greatest club. So let's go start winning trophies. It just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. It takes time, and you have to build it brick by brick by brick. You have to go from the foundation. So, unfortunately, we are on rebuild number 852 or whatever it might be, because you only can do it that way. You can't take the last guys' players and just kind of you know, tweak bits and pieces, and then we go, oh, look, you're suddenly winning. This lot are not good enough. There's some players that you could retain, But overall, when you look at the stature of the players and what they can do and what they've achieved, we're living on past glories. We're living on Ronaldo's goal records. We're living on, you know, Varane winning multiple Champions Leagues. We're winning on stuff that they did at other clubs, not at Man United. Like, we know Ronaldo did it at Man United, but he did it for really a short period of time. His career is about Real Madrid and when he was younger. So what do you do? There's a lot of things you can do, Scott. There's players that are going to have to leave that are popular there's players that are going to have to come in that would be unpopular sign-ins, but would make you a better football team.
0: Absolutely. Uh, regarding the manager, obviously, there's two names that are popping around. And over the last few days, uh, Eric Ten Hag's emerged uh, as a front-runner. Uh, Ralph, we put out on 90min.com that Ralph Rannick likes him uh and he, he addressed this in the in the pre-match uh coverage for the Manchester derby as well ne- never met him before he but he is a big fan of the style of play uh, and a number of different things so you know Mauricio Pochettino's name is there as well and it it does seem like everything's circling back to those two but there are a number of other candidates who well, are united are vetting obviously as as you kind of should do but it does can, kind of seem to come back to both of those names do you think rob that Ten has taken a front seat now, and does he look with every passing
1: week as the
0: right choice for this?
1: Hmm, right choice is a funny one because it's it's very it's very direct, isn't it? Is he the right choice? And kind of said before that there is no real right choice here at the moment. But who's the preferred choice? Who's the best you can get in class just at the moment for what you're trying to do? Because Man United are trying to build a football club. They're going to have to get a young progressive coach. So we're going to talk a little bit about Arsenal today and what Arsenal have done as well in terms of Arteta. I've always said Arteta was a good pull because he's a coach who will build from the bottom up. So the expectations are low, you start low and you get on with the job. It takes time and you can suddenly become a top four club in a couple of years. Uh, Eric Ten Hag hasn't got that, has he? Eric Ten Hag will come in and will be expected to win and compete from day one. Now, that might not be the realistic tone for some Man United fans, but the majority of global United fans who sit and watch United on TV just want to be entertained and win. That's all they care about. So that is a very difficult scenario for any coach to come into. And I think this will be the the whole problem with with Pochettino coming in because Pochettino will be expected to build like he did at Tottenham, but he's going to do it at Man United, who are closer to PSG than they are to old school Spurs. So there's issues there. Do you see what I mean? So like you can look at, uh, uh, at Ten Hag and he's undoubtedly the front runner. He's the person I think that Richard Arnold really wants. Um, we know that United have had links to Pochettino over the years, but that was more Ed Woodward. And I do think that, that Richard's going to want to have a guy in there that he can say, no, I chose this guy, and this was my work, not my not my mate's work, who was here before he did this job. So there's no doubt as well that Manchester United's board understand the toxicity of the last eight or nine years, and they are trying to position themselves away from that. So they're not going to say, Well, you know, we'd Pochettino on the list five years ago. Well, that's no good, is it? You know, you, you have to live in the, the the here and now. Pochettino's stock has fallen. You know, we, let's be honest. So he's still a great coach, and I still think he can do the job. But it is Ten Hag. Ten Hag's the guy. There's all sorts of links in there. Donny van der Beek would come back into the football club. United would probably play 4-3-3. Free free. They'd have a very fluid front uh, front setup. They would move the ball uh, from back to front quickly. These are all the things that Ralph Rannick has talked about as well, like in a future tense. So it's all a wait and see, Scott. But I think at the moment, Ten Hag is probably the best choice out there on the market.
0: Not to say that he is the absolute automatic, amazing first choice. No, and and you're going to have
1: to be patient. patient. You're going to have to be patient. If you get him, you're going to have to say to him, we understand that the bleeding is still happening. Can you first stop the bleeding? Because that's the problem at Man United, isn't it? It's constant, constant agony constant bleeding. They don't stop it. It feels okay for a few weeks. They get a few things sorted out. And then the, the wound starts to bleed again because Manchester United, do never they, they never attend to it in the correct way. It's always with Band-Aids. So this is the whole thing with Ten Hag, isn't it? You're going to have to give him time.
0: Yeah. Uh It does seem as though United are looking to make an appointment relatively quickly. And they're going to have to, to be honest. I mean, like even probably even before the end of the season, the club are at least going to have to know who they're picking. Uh, because this person can't rock up on July 1st. It needs yeah, to happen. Yeah. It needs to start happening before then.
1: Look, I think they know who they want. There's, there's no doubt about that. From what we hear, they know who they want. The problem is, is that you cannot really, when you're in the Champions League and already got a manager doing the work, just undermine him by saying, well, this is a new coach. And let's be honest, Ajax are not going to allow that. There's no way Ajax is going to allow Manchester United to put those feelers out. And this is a whole point of brinkmanship in politics with football, is that if Man United want Ajax's manager, Man United need to please Ajax. Yeah, Man United need to work with Ajax to make that happen. Think about the Jaden Sancho transfer with Borussia Dortmund. It's the same thing. You want the player. You might not get the player today. So keep your gob shut. No leaks. No talking to the press. No kind of overt moves. You're going to have to say, well, we don't don't really want this guy, when of course you do, and you're going to have to wait. We are not going to hear an appointment before the end of the season. No chance. You, you'll hear, obviously, all the rumors and rumors, and we'll talk about them. But there's no chance that Ajax will allow that to happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, something that Ralph actually said before the game, I think he was asked about... Pep style and Klopp style. Mm-hmm. and This is just something that's come to me through something you just said there, Rob. Uh, Ralph nailed it on the head, really. He said, these managers, Jurgen Klopp and Pep, have an identity and a style that filters upwards as well as downwards. Yep, And it's dictated. Uh, they, they have a, a head coach and he kind of communicates how he wants to play. And then that dictates the k- kind of player you want to sign and the profile of player that you want to sign. Yep, And people above listen to the coach because everything comes back to the football uh ralph's got his head screwed on uh, we, this is why we wanted him you know uh he, he's getting criticized and okay like not, it's not been perfect but ralph has that kind of acumen that you just don't have so United are going to start to need to listen to him uh and whichever coach let's let's take 10 Hag as, as an example if they do end up a point in Ten Hag, they need to listen to that because football is the most important thing there was a really good uh, tweet put out uh, I can't remember who it was by but um, in the last few days it was uh, a screen grab of the Twitter uh, profile bios of United City, Liverpool and Chelsea and Chelsea's was champions of Europe with a cup, uh, Liverpool's was you know, uh, something football related, Cities was Premier League champions etc etc United was the home of Manchester United, get 35% off United Direct. (laughs) Uh, And that tweet's gone round. I think it's got about 8,000 retweets or something like that. Another club have changed it since. They go on conference calls talking about having to justify how we really want to win trophies, but they're like the only club that has to reassure fans and, and journalists that they want to win trophies. It's got to change, hasn't it? It's just got to
1: change. They've got to put the football first. Look, when you're run by accountants, you're going to talk about profit protection. It's just what you're going to do because that's what you're there for. So Richard Arnold is an accountant by trade, and that will be the first task, protect the Man United coffers. But like I just said, they're missing a trick, aren't they? Because if you do get the football side of it right, you can just accelerate your growth and accelerate your revenues very, very quickly. Now, I think Man United are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So they have made the investment and $1.2 billion, And this is why I say that when, when fans tell me all the time, the Glazers don't spend money. It's rubbish. The Glazers do spend money. Just they spend money badly. You've got to put badly on the end there every time because that's the issue. If they'd spent it well, Manchester United would be a competitive football club now and the Glazers will be making more profit. But no doubt off the back of COVID that it's changed the industry and how clubs operate. You know, they're all kind of tightening their belts. But that could be an opportunity for United. You know, can United spend less but increase their position in the Premier League. I think that that could be a thing. You know, I just re- reeled off a load of transfer fees, didn't I, a minute ago. You know, Harry Maguire, Aaron wan you look at kind of how those two players are failing, and Victor Lindelof, £160 million in transfers. Can you do better than those three players for, say, £100 million? I think you probably could. So this is all about strategy now and making sure that the next manager gets the right thing. But you're totally right. And what Ralph said is correct. You must listen to football people. You know, if you want a baker cake, you listen to a baker. You don't listen to the bin man outside, do you? So it's trying to make sure that you've got the right people doing the right jobs. The Richard Arnolds and the boards are not going anywhere. Like people will say, you know, other people said to me yesterday, you've got to get rid of the Glazers. the only way to do it. Well, the Glazers are going nowhere. They're They're, going going to keep this football club because it makes them money. But what they can do is win. And they do want to win. Just look at what they did in the NFL with Tom Brady, with their failing franchise that has done nothing for years. Absolutely like Manchester United, you know, just on the back burner. Not as big. Tampa Bay Buccaneers not nowhere near as big as Manchester United in global terms or in sporting terms. But they went there and they finally got it right. <laughs> they finally got it right. Now, they've lost Tom Brady this season. Last year was an okay season for them. And they tried to do it with Ronaldo this year, didn't they, as their Tom Brady. Now, that strategy, long-term, will not work for Man United, but it does show that they're willing to try and at least win.
0: They're probably going to have to realise that football's the most important thing as well, because they've tried this uh, commercial-first, big-name signing uh, tactic, new modern-day Premier League Galactico tactic Mm -hmm. over the last few years, and you look around and city miles ahead liverpool miles ahead chelsea miles ahead arsenal they took the pain and we'll talk about arsenal in a, bit, in a bit they look like they're coming out the other side of it and they can build on the foundations that they set 2 years ago uh tottenham good coach could maybe start getting it right newcastle next season if they get it right will be above manchester united mm-hmm. like so totally if if you talk about how money is the most important thing and Champions League football is the most important thing. That's seven clubs there, or six clubs, that you got you got to finish ahead of at least three of them to get in the Champions League. So you've done it this way for so long and it's proven that it's not actually working. So you probably got to go back to basics and start actually putting the football first. Otherwise, you will hurt yourself in the long run because the football isn't good enough and your team isn't good enough.
1: Yeah. And I think the Glazers and and the board would say that already that they understand that because they've talked about it like kind of publicly and they've said, you know, what we want to try and change. But of course, goodwill is not the same as actually doing stuff. It really isn't. So I think like you just said there about the clubs that potentially can, can end up ahead of you. Let's widen the net. Aston Villa are a richer club than Man United. When you look at the books, they're the fifth richest club in the country. They have now Steven Gerrard. They've just bought Coutinho to have a good young squad. They can continue to build that. They might be ahead of you. You can go down that list of clubs in the mid table that once upon a time you'd never have looked at as competitors to Man United, and they very much are now because they've got money. Every club in the Premier League has got money. Newcastle, I've already predicted it elsewhere, so I'll say it here. Within four years, three years, I think Newcastle will win the Premier League. I really do believe that. I think they'll make the investment, because they're worth £500 billion, the richest club on earth, and they will flex their muscle in a way that Man United can't. Man United can't compete with them when it comes to fees. So United need to build it from the bottom up. You know, you need to be smart with this next appointment and make sure that all of the lessons of the last, say, three or four managers that you've had, that you learn from all of those and that you have a structure that promotes winning. Man United have not had that. They had good managers, good players, but they haven't had a structure that allows you to move forward. I heard yesterday that the club are going to pull their plans for moving the training ground. You know, So that's a big story that's got really not a lot of heat. And you need that training ground. You need that facility that competes with all the other top clubs because at the moment you've got a facility that competes with Wolves or competes with Brentford or competes with teams like that. You've got a substandard facility. So the next coach that comes in will look at that and say, well you want me to do well here but I can't possibly run the operation from this old unit. You know it's like old Trafford, isn't it? Old Trafford biggest ground in the country but you know gangways and walkways behind the scenes that you can't even walk down because it's so old school. You know if you're going to live in the past you're going to sink. That's just the way it is you must move forward in all aspects of your business.
0: Yeah, uh let's I do want to talk about Arsenal a little bit. Um, because we talk about the new manager that United will end up having and how the football needs to come first and you need to listen to him and there's a a squad of players there that have been signed by four different managers and they're not putting in the required effort levels, they're getting criticised for it, they don't really know their identity and this kind of thing. Rannick's doing the groundwork now in terms of learning the qualities of the squad that he's got at his disposal without any additions or anything like that uh, in January. He'll probably take this knowledge upstairs to somebody like John Murta uh, and filter that through back then to whichever manager that it is. I'm, I'm gonna say Ten Hag as an example. We're, we're not obviously uh, it's not obviously locked in that this will happen, but it is uh, it is Ten Hag's name that keeps popping up. So I'm just thinking of him as we go. Now Arsenal took a big risk by appointing Mikel Arteta a number of, uh, well, a couple of years ago now. And during that time, they've copped a lot of flack because they've taken hits financially. Now, I'm going to list off a number of names here that they've actually just released on free transfers. They probably had to pay them off to let them leave the club. Henrik Mkhitaryan, Mustafi, Meza Ozil. Remember all the criticism they had for... You know, they gave him 350 grand a week and they ended up paying off his contract ahead of time. Lucas Torreira's gone on loan, I believe, uh, and they've recouped a loan fee for him. Maitland-Niles, the same. Aubameyang, most recently, has left on a free transfer and they had to pay him off as well to, you know, to make it happen. Callum Chambers, Willian at the start of the season, Ser Kalasinach. that's a number of players that they just actually just thought... Arteta's gone in there and he's looked at the squad and he's thought... We need to start fresh here. There's so, been so many bad decisions made in the transfer market over the past few years that we just need to do whatever we can to get them off the books. If it means we're hit financially, then fine. But in the long run, it will allow us to foster an atmosphere of positivity, youth, and you know, belief, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Something United lack. So when, when I talked at the top of the show about United could learn a thing or two from Arsenal, that's what I think they can learn. And they have to take the hit because United have... There's so many players in there over the past few years. Why is Juan Mata still at Man United? You know, I like Juan Mata. He's a nice guy. Good footballer. But he doesn't play. Why are you paying him? Why did you give him an extension on his contract? And he's not the only player. I don't don't seem like I'm picking on Juan Mata. But
1: they need to start this clear out now. Totally. 100%. And... It's the same catchphrase I use over and over again. If players do not help you win, get rid of them. Simple as that. Don't have players sat around in the dressing room and the training ground on the bench doing nothing for you. Everyone should be active. So this is why, um, like Jürgen Klopp preaches about working with small squads, and Ralph Rannick has done that as well. You you, you have a smaller uh, unit of like 14 or 15 players. You rotate them game to game to game to game. You hope that injuries don't happen, but you don't have an inflated squad that you then have to please, in adverted commas, because a manager and a coach should not be there to please his players. He shouldn't be. He should be there to order them what to do. This is my style of football. This is my philosophy. You go out there and be me on the football pitch. So I think that that's kind of the issue for Ralph Randick at the moment, is that he has a style and a philosophy. He wants to play a certain way, they're doing it in phases and certain matches. It looks better than others because the opponent might not be as good as Manchester City. So you can roll with it and you can do a little bit of pressing and game pressing style and 4-2-2-2. And you can do all those things, but you never quite get there correctly 100% because your collective of players isn't correct. It's not the right team. It's the wrong team. So like Wan Matz you just mentioned there is absolutely the perfect example. Someone who was a great footballer, He's won a World Cup. You know, he's won everything in the game. He's a top, top player in his day. And he doesn't play, move him on. Phil Jones doesn't play, move him on. You know, there are lots of players that you can say that about that you need to push out to allow the youngsters to come in and grow. So talking about the Arsenal comparison, the bit I always sing about with Arteta is that he has put his faith in Martinelli. He's put his faith in Smith Rowe. He's put his faith in Saka. He's gone to these guys. You want it. You're hungry. I'm going to go with you. And you know what? The guys who were taking, you know, skimming the fat off the top, the bummyangs and the other guys on big contracts. Off you go. We'll take the hit and we'll move on. That's how you build, Scott. That's how you do any business. If you were running any business, if you had people in your office not doing the work, Eventually, you're thinking, I'm going to move these people out. I need people who do the work for me so I can, I can progress. And I think that's how Arteta is. He's got that little bit of Guardiola about him from working at Man City. He's not guardiola light. I think they're different people. But he's seen how you build a squad. He's been part of that, hasn't he? He's been part of the old Arsenal machine with Wenger. And he's part of the new one now, obviously, after working with Pep. So they've got the right idea about structure whether Arsenal fans like it or not. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were highly critical of the team at the start of the season. We all kind of had a laugh at Arsenal because that's what has been happening the last few years, certainly from the Man United sector. But they're doing it the right way. Man United are not doing it the right way. It's always about shirt sellers. It's always about, does this player come in and fit our business model? Not, does this player come in and help us win trophies? It's never that question. That's always the add-on. You know, Ronaldo will help you win trophies. But only if you get the Ronaldo who was 28 years old banging in 60 goals a year. That's when it works. Not not the 37-year-old version. You know, you need to keep a striker or we'll give Cavani another year. Is that the correct way of doing it? Or is it better to bring through one of the kids or buy a young striker who's hungry? So United make these mistakes year after year after year. And I said before at the top of the show, it's a cultural issue.
0: The shirt sellers line you just said there, Rob. I was thinking across all of the top clubs when Mo Salah was bought by Liverpool was he a was he a shirt seller. Exactly. When Mane was bought by Liverpool, was it, he a shirt seller? It, Same for you know maybe Jack Grealish is the is the only one. But he he's found his first season difficult at Man City. But he was great the other day. That was maybe the first one I think commercial commercial mind at Man City is happening there.
1: And uh, think about Man City. Many, make, yeah, Man City made hundred million pound on that signing because there's a World Cup coming up, and they predicted that Jack Grealish was going to be England superstar. So they thought, let's get in there early, hundred million pound bid. But I think they have found this season that Jack Grealish doesn't really help them win. So you might see the Jack Grealish go up a level and become a better player over time with Pep, or you might see that they go that strategy doesn't work for us. So let's get rid of Grealish for fifty million somewhere to Tottenham or Man United, or somewhere else, you know, and we're going to go back to doing what we did before. Liverpool have just bought Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz is not a shirt seller. He's not. No one knew in this country who he was five minutes he ago. Years he that. will be in two years. He will be in two years. In two years' time, well, not even in two years, maybe at the end of this season, he will be a superstar in the same way that Salah has built that, that Mane has built that. And You look at that Liverpool team. Now, I always talk about this like, in terms of individuals. Jordan Henderson, again, a player that not one Man United fan would say, oh, we need a Jordan Henderson. Man United need a Jordan Henderson. They need a captain in the middle who's going to do the work and communicate and keep the team together and push in the correct direction. At the moment, they've got a captain that can't even run. So this is the difficulty about finding the right players is that you have to go away from the commercial side of the business and you have to go towards the sporting side. You know, this is why in Europe, They're called sporting directors, yeah, because it's about sport. They're not there to sell to sell shirts. They're there to help the team win. And Man United needs to get a grip of that.
0: Uh, just before we do move on, I would just like to caveat the Arsenal section because I know Harry's listening uh, as we record this. Arsenal have a good squad to build on. They're doing quite well at the moment. They're not there yet. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they did lose a few games before the end of the season. They
1: and are favourites of to the you, top four. Of course. And, and <laughs> if you'd listened to a large section of the Arsenal fans at the start of the season, you know, very much the popular side of their football club, they would have sacked Arteta in a heartbeat. So you can't always listen to fans. Fans are not always correct. This is, what was, again, what I say is that a lot of the time, the football club plays lip service to the fans. And I do think with Man United, there is a little bit of that. I think the Glazers think, what do our customers think? They look at supporters as customers. So they go, right, what do they want? Well, they want Ronaldo, don't they? What should we do? We'll give them Ronaldo. So they're, they're, see, there's a problem there, a cycle of, you know, I don't want to use the word abuse, but there's a cycle there of something that's completely the wrong way of looking at how to build a football club because they're kind of just giving the saccharine out, aren't they, to the United fans, who celebrated Ronaldo signing like they'd won a the World Cup. You know, it's like, oh, we've won the league. It's like, this could get bad now. Two, three, four months later, you'd lost your manager. Here we are now, after Christmas, talking about Manchester United being a flat entity, like nowhere near where they need to be. So you made the wrong signing. So I think, again, that's on the Glazers. And that's why the conversation about the players is also a little bit moot, because a lot of them are just not good enough, but they were bought by this board.
0: Yeah, another point on Arsenal. Um, United, if you would like to get that commercial side of things up and running or, you know, see it flourish put some young hungry players in retro shirts
1: that's what Arsenal do <laughs> exactly. look, look, look. It's, it's about creating superstars not buying them that was always the catchphrase at United wasn't it you know you, you bring in someone that no one knows mm-hmm. about uh, a Chicharito yeah a Ole a Solskjaer and a year or two later the fans love them and are buying their shirts and worship them do you know what I mean so you don't need to go and get the Ronaldo's of the world just because you want to sell lots of product but the other side of it is sponsorship. So they know that you get Ronaldo, they've got a shirt deal coming up. Ah, uh, this is a negotiating tool. Well, Adidas are going to look at United at the moment and say, well, you're a joke. You might come eighth next year. So that's not really a good negotiation stance.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Rob, let's let's wrap up for another well, 10 minutes or so. We'll see how long we've got. But um, I'll talk about, come back to Eric Ten Hag. We hmm. mentioned earlier what he would make of the current squad. It's in my notes to talk about what Ten Hag would assess this squad as. And I want to tie Marcus Rashford into it because obviously he's been the name in the news uh, since the Derby. Uh, You know, upset that he isn't necessarily getting a place in the team. I think his form has justified a place in the team. But at the same time, when you think of the amount of players that United didn't have, in attacking positions for that game. is pretty damning on Marcus Rashford to see himself on the bench. And then when he did come on, he was not very good anyway. Uh, what do you think Eric Ten Hag will make? Again, Eric Ten Hag, as an example, we're not saying that it's going to happen, but it does seem like he is the logical fit out of all the candidates. But what would he make of this squad? Like, How many pl- how many of these players are, are made
1: for for a coach like that? I think the difficult thing with that question is that we look at what Eric Ten Hag has done in the Eredivisie and with Ajax in the Champions League, and those two formulas do not count in Premier League terms. They don't. He cannot build Manchester United in the way that he's built Ajax. Just, it's just not a thing. It's a different world. It's a different style of football that you have to adhere to and then work around it. Looking at the current squad and looking at, say, Marcus's situation, I'll just say this about Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford is leaked nothing. Yeah, a lot of these things that have come out and sources close to the player and all of this stuff, I'm not buying it at all. I'm just really, really not. And I'm sure Marcus will come out in the next day or two and address some of this. Because he's a Man United fan. He wants to do well for Man United. And he's playing garbage. He's not playing well. And he's not the only one. So I think that, again, when we draw it down to individuals, it, it becomes pointless because this is a collective problem. I do think that Rashford, as a player, doesn't really suit Ten Hag as a manager. Not really. He's got the pace. Does he have the technicality at the top end of the pitch that that Ten Hag, I'm sure, will demand? I think the honest answer to that is no. I actually think that Anthony Martial is better suited as a forward on the, on the left or the right or through the middle to Eric Ten Hag than Marcus Rashford. And maybe, just maybe, Marcus is getting a sniff of that. Maybe Marcus is thinking, oh my word, normally I was always guaranteed to get back in the team. You know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer believed in me. I was one of the leaders of the team, but my form has really plummeted. And I think he understands why he's on the bench. I don't think for one second he's there, chest puffed out going, why am I not being picked? He knows why he's not being picked, 100%. Footballers are not idiots in that terms. You know, they might want to play. Like Again, we talked about the Ronaldo thing, didn't we, with the derby. And people said, oh... You know, he said he wasn't going to play. Rubbish. He's got an injury. That's why he didn't play. But does you know can Ronaldo pick himself? Well, he might be the only one. But I actually trust Ralph to make the right decisions. I think Ralph does it for the team, and and we see that week to week. So I think Ten Hag will be the same. Ten Hag will do it for the team, and will he want to retain Marcus Rashford or could he sell Rashford for fifty million pounds, something like that? Big fee to an English club newcastle might be interested in marcus rashford for a big fee next year and do you take that money and reinvest it i do think there'll be a lot of that i think there'll be players leaving man united where united will try to accumulate those fees to give it to the new manager to buy new players because i think that's the position that you have put yourself in crucially though they haven't been good at that have they? no not not in history not over time like i, I do think that when, they, when they've gone from manager to manager to manager, there has always been an exodus at some point. So when Van Gaal came in, you know, he kind of cleared some of the decks. He bought like eight players. But they were like bad signings. All eight didn't work at all, not for the Premier League. You know, it was kind of stuck in his way. Mourinho come in. Now, we know Mourinho had won the title only 12 months before that. He'd been sacked, obviously. He knows how to win. He brought in Pogba. He brought in Ibrahimovic. He brought in Mkhitaryan. He brought in Bailly. And he got rid of a few people. You know, he was trying to He was trying to do the right thing, you know, to, to make the squad better. Ole had his chance, spent a ton of money and now the next manager's come along. I think United are going to look at that and look at the COVID books and say, well, we will spend big money, but we need to balance it. So I think the sales will be more aggressive. So even with someone like, you know, and Andres Pereira or someone like that now who's going to be leaving the football club, they're going to be looking for fees. This is why they they kind of, held fire on Jesse Lingard when they could have got a fee because they were thinking, well, you know, is there a case of maybe we'll sign a son new contract? His valuation will go up and then. If we sell him, we could probably get big money for him rather than no money. Well, they're going to get no money for him now. So you're right. They've not been good at it in the past, but I think they're going to have to inject some of that to be able to balance their books. And I think they understand that as well because this is about you, you can't flitter away profit in a time where, where, where COVID and pandemics and global wars and stuff like that are going on in in, in, on our planet and it will affect your sales it will affect your businesses in different ways so you have to find ways to protect that
0: so the cultural reboot i believe that was the name that they they christened it uh when ollie came in (laughs) has failed uh it's over it's over uh, Wan-Bissaka and Maguire combined 130 million are probably symbolic of of that I would say that was some of the early signings that were made both have now proven that it's just not going to happen for them so what's next how long will this take whoever they go with because is, and a, and another
1: question for you is this the lowest it's been post-Ferguson no I don't think it is I really don't. I think the Moyes year was probably still the worst year with the way that the squad fragmented. And Man United didn't buy anyone. They bought Fellaini and then they bought Mata. So I think that that transition of that 12 months was really bad and United got it really wrong. And we were kind of going, well, Fergie's just gone, so it doesn't hurt as much. You know, he just won the title before, so it's okay. But United kind of went to sixth or seventh flight like, in the blink of an eye. United is still on that top four conversation, but only just... And I I said this yesterday as well. You had Mourinho, who came second and got you to second, and that was as high as you could take the club, and he left. And you got Solskjaer, you took the team to second. You got as high as you could. You didn't get anywhere near the champions, but you showed that you could be an entity in the top four. So when we talk about what's bad, fans at other football clubs will still laugh at us because they go, what is that bad? Is it being on the cusp of the top four? We are spoilt brats. Let's be honest. We are spoilt. That's how we are at Manchester United. We've 25 years of success from before. And we we still think that that's our DNA. Well, it's still there, but we can't access it, Scott. It's the past. It's gone. You have to look forward. So I don't look at it as a bad thing now. I look at it as an opportunity. I really do. You have to kind of suck this up and say, right, next project begins. This is why I like calling them projects as well, because I think that's how it is now. You're never going to get a coach that's with you for 10, 15, 20 years. Forget it. You need a coach that comes in, has a big impact in the first year or two, and then builds you forward. You need a Klopp. You need a Guardiola. You need a setup up behind those managers that allows those managers to thrive. You know, you need your Bagheera Steins and people like that at City to, pl- to have the money bags and say, right, you tell us who we should be buying. This is how it should work. Man United have not done that in the past. Man United have gone, does he sell, sell shirts? Yes, he does. Yeah, we like that signing. Let's go you know harry Maguire, england you know work, just done well in the world cup that makes sense to us yeah we'll buy him how much 80 million world record transfer fee uh, yeah all right no oh, it'll take
0: us three months but we'll just pay you what, what you want anyway. uh, exactly
1: and also <laughs> working on those deals for such a long time that as that's going on you could have actually been developing people so this is why i was hot on the ranik side and saying really you should give ranik the job for two years and say to him restructure everything get rid of the rubbish players, bring in new players, put a plan in place for us to work around. Because all you've done with Ralph is just say, we'll try and win some games. And the players know it. They're not idiots. Fred said it the other day, like I said, they know that this is all short-termisms and that in the long term, their futures are at risk. So I I think you have to be smarter. You have to train. And when I say train, I I mean, it's a metaphor. You need to kind of be a healthier business. And Man United are not that. They're kind of fat, inflated, overweight. They don't find the method to be where they truly want to be. And that's above City and above Liverpool. They're nowhere near those organisations at the moment. So you must reorganise.
0: You might notice we've not really... We might look ahead later this week to the, to the Tottenham game at the weekend, which in any normal week would be a top four battle <laughs> uh, but it does, to to myself and to Rob, I know I'm putting words in your mouth here, but I'm guessing this is how you feel. Season is over. It's, it's, essentially, it's it, in the grand scheme of things, we just know that it runs a lot deeper than United getting fourth this season. And something needs to change.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think talking about the season... Like either both positively or negatively. so It's not massively helpful, I think, at the moment. What you do need is you need to build behind the scenes and start weeks ago, months ago, years ago. You know, we're talking about stuff that's future tense that really should have been past tense. So that's, I think, the biggest problem. And I think the other thing for me is that people are kind of saying, oh, don't you think Richard Arnold will get this right now because Richard Arnold's seen it all? I don't know. I really don't know. Richard Arnold is a chartered accountant, And he's there to protect Manchester United's bottom line, the profit. So he will do that and that'll be his job. And he's talked the right talk at the moment about, yes, I'm going to give the football decisions to football people. I do not believe for one second that he will not appoint the manager. I do not believe for one second that John Murtough will be the guy who says, that's our guy. So we're going with that guy. It will be Richard Arnold because that manager will have to speak directly to the board. So do I think that, that United are just on the cusp of getting this right. No, but I do think there's an opportunity there now to to change things ever so slightly that it puts you in a better position. Like you say in the Tottenham game, it feels like the Premier League now is just it's just like get it all. over with. I, yeah, 10 I, I, games I, I, left. You, you look at Arsenal and their positioning with their games in hand, how they're playing. You know, it's theirs to lose. I even predicted yesterday that I think Arsenal come third. I think Chelsea will, will, will be the team that comes forth. I think Chelsea have got more problems than Arsenal in, in their team at the moment. When You you think they might have more talent, but I think they've got a few more issues. And certainly, you know, they're good defensively, but they still find it difficult to give the ball to that very expensive striker that they've got at the top and put the ball in the net. They've got to work that out. Man United, in the short term, don't forget this season, there's not, there's not many games left now, really, in the Premier League. And it would not be beyond them to find a bit of form and at least be in the top four conversation in the final weeks of the season. But I think that United fans, and certainly I think you and me as well, Scott, as United fans, we are now looking to the next manager. We're looking to the future because you're not going to win the Premier League this year, obviously. And if you're going to catch City and catch Liverpool next year, you're going to have to do some amazing work in the transfer market. And I think you, you, you pitched it at the start there. How long will it take? I always say it's four transfer windows for a new manager. Always. You need four transfer windows just to start it because you never get everything you want in one transfer window. And you certainly don't get it in the following January window. We've got a funny world cup this year in a funny time. That's going to affect some of the business, some of the traffic of how you conduct your football club. It will do. It just will. It just, it's a different thing. It will hurt United, but United need to go and get the right players. You've got some good players. Alanger has shown this year that he's a good player and that you can take him forward. Hannibal's not even in the team yet. I talk about him all the time and he doesn't really get in yet. He's not part of that. You look at the core of the group, there are players that you will retain. Jaden Sancho is one of them. You hope Rafael Varane will kick on. You know, I think Luke Shaw's still got a, a long way to come back. You know, he's had injuries this year, two concussions. You've got opportunities here to have five, six, seven players who could be part of that first team next year. But unfortunately... You're going to have to get rid of some of those shirt sellers and maybe one or two of your icons.
0: My only request for the remainder of the season, Rob, is don't come seventh and don't end up in the Conference League next season. Because I've taken several lows, but I just think that one—that one's just a little bit too much for me. But, um, but it's, you know, it's
1: it's just realism. I think I think Conference League is probably about the right level at the moment. You know, I think United. I think United will look at fifth and feel they can get fifth, but there'll be no motivation to get fifth because it doesn't put you in the Champions League, does it? You know, so everything at the moment, Scott, at, at Man United, they'll be talking about is winning the Champions League. That's how I think they'll be looking at it. They'll be thinking, can we somehow do what Chelsea did last year? And Chelsea were a bad team this time last year. Like they were, you know, like two children come in, the manager had been sacked in December, December, January, February, March, and they found a way to win the Champions League. And not one person would have put a penny on them winning that. So United are still going to gamble on that, unfortunately. And hey, it could be a fantastic end of the season for us.
0: Or it could be two more games of getting battered by Man City or Liverpool. We will see. It could uh, be. Let's, let's see. Wouldn't that be funny?
1: You get to the Champions League final and you beat Man City in the Champions League final. Just like Chelsea did last year. Everyone went, are going to win this, then Chelsea can't do this. And Chelsea beat them because you have a plan and you execute it on the day. And, you know, it, it is pie in the sky. There's no doubt about it. But Man United can beat teams on their day. The other day at the Etihad, that wasn't their day. You could tell that. It's just they weren't there. They, they couldn't do it for 90 minutes. And I think with Gagan Press, that's the issue, is that they just can't do it for 90 minutes and then they get exposed.
0: Yes, uh, let us know your thoughts. Drop a comment uh, and get in touch with us on Twitter as well. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods. Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And you can get us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at promise Land MU. Uh, Rob, thanks so much uh, for the therapeutic uh, discussion. Uh, We'll be back later this week to maybe look ahead to whatever's next. Uh, maybe we'll do some more feature proofing for you as well so hope you enjoyed the show and we'll speak to you soon everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time